Good morning. While they're passing these out, uh, I have to apologize to Don and Audrey. I haven't talked to them all week, I don't think, so I haven't had a chance to say so, but uh, last Sunday, the Lord just overwhelmed us with his presence, I would say. And as I felt the unction to pray, I just came up and grabbed the microphone out of Don's hand, and he grabbed the one out of Audrey's hand. And I'm sorry about that. It wasn't intentional. Uh, it was just the focus, and the, it, it just happened. So forgive me if it looked very awkward, as I'm sure it did. You can give the rest of them to me. Thank you. You can keep one for yourself if you'd like. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I want to go over this prayer and fasting plan with you just a little bit and kind of give you some background of why we're doing this, why I feel the Lord leading in this direction for the month of October leading up through the, um, through the date of the election. Proverbs 6, 16 and 19 says, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination unto him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who, soars, who sows discord among the brothers. So these abominations speak for themselves. I don't need to define them. You're perfectly capable of understanding what they mean. But I do want to highlight number three, and that's what the shading there represents on your page, that the hands that shed innocent blood, and that is actually the direction that the Lord led me in for this prayer plan The nominee that President Trump has nominated for the Supreme Court has made it very publicly clear that she is very pro-life. And I, I'm very thankful for that. And I want to cover her in prayer. That's what this is about. Just a 15-minute prayer stop for a day to pray. <coughs> Excuse me for her confirmation. You know, if we remember back the last, um, the, the last Supreme Court nomination, it was a horrendous thing to watch for the nation as a whole. But think about that man and his family. The devastation that that caused them was untold. We'll never know the, the ends of that and what it may have even done to their children. And this woman has seven children. And I'm just, the Lord just gave me this unction to cover her in prayer. And I want us to do that as a, as a, um, a body and just remember her. The Bible says that God hates the shedding of innocent blood. And we're going to talk about some of that this morning in the word. And there are none greater innocent than the unborn. So we, we, we want to contend for them now by praying for her and the overturning of our laws. 
You know, the nation that sheds innocent blood under the guise of its own laws surely would be judged by God. And we need to do something about this. What we can do is pray. And then secondly, a 15-minute prayer for God's will to be done in this election. As you all know, there's already so much unrest and so much danger out there. And I believe that we need to pray about the safety of the president and his family and his cabinet. I didn't put that on there, but you can throw in a couple of minutes for his cabinet as well. And a safe and free election. Religious freedom to be reinstated in every state, but especially the state of California. And the continued sovereignty and peace of Israel. Thank the Lord for the blessings of the peace in Israel that are being, uh, being agreed to at this time. I've not seen anything like that in my lifetime, but this is vital to the continued blessing by God of America. It's clearly written in his word. And as Don mentioned, the fasting plan, you can decide how and when you choose to fast. Not everyone is capable of fasting whole meals, and I totally understand that. But you can choose if it's certain meals, if it's certain types of food, um, whatever you would like to do, but just remember to stay well hydrated. And I believe that God will, will reward our obedience and reward our faith. And I want to ask for testimonies as we go through this, uh, this, these few weeks ahead of us. If there is a testimony that you have, jot it down and bring it with you on Sunday morning so that we can, we can rejoice with you. All of a sudden, my throat is uh, tightening up. Sorry about that. And as I mentioned last week, um, the Lord gave me a direction for the next few sermon topics. I've never had this happen before, but I believe that the um, focus is strategic women of the Bible. And I've enjoyed this study so far, and today we're going to begin with our first woman in the series. So by a show of hand, does anybody know who Jochebed is? Three, good. Jochebed, well, we're going to learn about who she is, and we're going to read out of the uh, second and third chapter of the book of Exodus. And I'm going to be reading quite a bit, so you might want to follow along and I'm calling this this morning, Jochebed, the woman whose children became great. There's not a whole lot of background written about Jochebed's life before she became married and had children. Her name means the glory of Jehovah. And I'm probably not pronouncing it the way that it was given to her by the Hebrew mother that she had, but we're doing the best we can with our English translation of Jochebed. She was a daughter of Levi, and she married a man named Amram, 
who was a son of Levi. So while she was the wife of Levi, she was also his aunt. And as you know, in those times, uh, the practice of marrying aunts and, uncle, aunts and uh, nieces was fairly common until the time that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and then uh, that was stopped. So Jochebed and Amram are the parents of Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. That's who she is. All three of her children played vital roles in the nation of Israel. So let's see how this played out. In chapter 1, we see the Egyptians had enslaved the children of Israel. But the Bible says that God favored them. And the more bondage and harsh treatment that the Egyptians put them under, the mightier, the stronger, and the more multiplied they grew. And so no matter what Egypt did, the children of Israel, the Hebrew children, waxed, not waned. So in the latter part of chapter 1, we see the king, the Pharaoh, beside himself because of this conundrum. So he devised a murderous plan. He called the midwives. I also want to point out the two midwives here, very critical role in this story. Their names were Shifra and Pua. They were the closest to the birthing process that you could get, and the king ordered them to kill the male Hebrew babies at birth so as to destroy any possible males who could grow up to challenge the king. But the midwives loved God. They feared God, and they followed God, not the king's order. So Exodus 1, 19 through 20 says, And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively, and they are delivered <laughs> by the time the midwives get to them. So the midwives are saying, King, we can't do anything about this. The Hebrew women, they're so gung-ho to have these babies, they just have them before we can even get to them. So what could we do? Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. God wanted those babies alive, and he condoned that the midwives obeyed him, not Pharaoh. <clears throat> but Pharaoh was relentless in his fear and his uh, fear of being challenged and in his design to kill these babies. Therefore, he commanded all the people, not just the midwives, to steal and kill the male babies born to the Hebrews. So the hunt for the shedding of innocent blood was on. Now I should note here that Pharaoh, this Pharaoh is not the same Pharaoh of Egypt under whom Joseph served and found favor. It's a different time, a different man. 
But this Pharaoh did not know Joseph and therefore had no qualms enslaving the Hebrews and killing their babies to protect his own interests. So we're going to pick up reading in Exodus chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 9 first. <clears throat> and there went a man of the house of Levi, and he took a wife, we're backtracking just a few verses here, took a wife, a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son when she saw him that he was a goodly child, meaning strong, healthy, fair. He was perfectly beautiful and well-formed. She, she hid him for three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, weeds and branches. Now this is Jochebed who's doing this. And she daubed it with slime and with pitch, and she put the child in it, and she laid it in the flags, which are taller reeds that grow by the river's bank. And his sister, Miriam, stood afar off and witnessed what was done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along the river beside her, by the river side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it and saw the child, obviously it had a lid because she, it, the scripture says, when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him and she said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister, Miriam, to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother, Jochebed. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water." It's interesting here that there is a recap of this in Acts, chapter 7, verse 20 and 22. And you all know, I've said it several times, I really enjoy it when the New Testament and the Old Testament corroborate each other's stories. I just love that. So in chapter 7, am I on the right page? I am. And 20 through 22, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her, his, her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in word and deeds. 
So back to chapter 3. I want to read verses 1 through 5 there. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. So this is Jochebed's daddy. The priest of Midian, and he had the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and he beheld, and the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. He said, Draw not hither, put off the shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest on is holy ground. So back to our story. God now has called Moses. I want to see here that Jochebed's bravery for her and her love for God and her child is what accomplished this impossible deed in a very dark period of persecution at the hand of the Egyptian people, at the hand of the Egyptian government, I should say. But there's more. God thought very well of Jochebed, and he honored her. Now, if you would turn to Hebrews chapter 11. This will be the last of the readings that we'll do, I think. But Hebrews chapter 11. Everybody knows what this chapter is all about? Well, I can't get to that little marker I have here. There we go. And we're going to read chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. By faith, Moses, when he was born, by faith, by his mother's Jochebed's faith in God, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the children of God, the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the rep recompense of reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invincible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. Who do you think taught him this faith? Who do you think trained him up 
even as he was being trained and uh, groomed in the Pharaoh's house, who taught him this faith in God? Who taught him what was true and real and right and what he should follow in his heart? It was his mother, Jochebed. So, God honored Jochebed in making her the mother of Moses, the leader of the Hebrew nation, and we can see the full circle of her place in history here in Hebrews. She was sort of a nobody in the moment, but someone God elevated to the Hebrews Hall of Fame, chapter 11. Had it not been for her courage to fight for the life of her baby, Moses could not have become the greatest leader and legislator, the law given to Moses. He couldn't have received the Ten Commandments. He couldn't have parted the Red Sea. He couldn't have prayed for the manna which sustained millions of people, nor seen God or heard his voice and lived to tell the story among only a few of the amazing accomplishments that Moses accomplished in his lifetime. Jochebed was also the mother of Aaron, God's choice for the first high priest to lead the nation of Israel to God, and the one whom, during the 40-year trek through the wilderness experience, stood between the people and God, and offered their sacrifices to cover their sin and to be the spokesperson for and the right-hand assistant to Moses. You remember, as long as they held up the hands, he was, they were winning. Aaron played a huge role in the success of Moses, his brother. Jochebed was also the grandmother of Aaron's sons, who were also in the priesthood and served along with Aaron, in the tabernacle. What a rich legacy she left. And last but not least, Jochebed was the mother of Miriam. This little girl, very brave and wise child, who responded with tremendous courage and wisdom in a tense and scary moment for a child. Can you imagine? God used Miriam to carry out such an incredible plan, which included baby Moses being reared in a safe place, protected from certain death, and Jochebed being paid to be Moses' nanny in the king's house. Miriam grew up to be a prophetess, a poet, a songwriter, and an active person participant in leading worship in the tabernacle. Yes, Jochebed was a mother who followed God and not man. A three-time jewel of a mother, rearing three amazing children who literally changed the history of the nation of Israel, whose children were called by God and set apart for dedicated service to the nation who was the apple of God's eye. I praise God for godly mothers, and I praise him that he knows and he calls babies in the womb to be great and mighty leaders in his kingdom. I do shudder to think how many babies have lost their lives 
whom God would have called from the womb and whom he would have used to bring about the end of racism or to invent a cure for a horrible disease or the one who could have been the catalyst that God would use to bring a revival to us in this nation, in this time, were it not for our laws. God does hate hands that shed innocent blood, but he also offers mercy and grace and redemption for those who have shed innocent blood, who ask for forgiveness, and I am so thankful for that. The fact is that this story exemplifies the awesome workings of God, even when Jochebed and Miriam experienced, when we, as they experienced, when we as humans can see no possible way out of a situation, no human way out. God's power knows no boundaries. The miracles that included the women who certainly have a profound place in the kingdom of God, and therefore, I believe, as God has directed me, a responsibility to pray and to activate toward the end of these laws so that the shedding of innocent blood can come to an end and not be laid at the feet of this nation. God will judge a nation accordingly that sheds innocent blood and I pray that we're not already there, but that we can change this through our prayers. I wanted to read the words of a song. This is a hard song. There's no way I was going to try. I did try, but <laughs> not going to happen. Not going to sing it or play it. The song is called, He Giveth More Grace. And I believe it's in your hymnals. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth, he addeth his mercy. And to multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundaries known unto men. For out of his infinite Riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these precious women that stood in the gap, Lord, for these babies that were being slaughtered. And I thank you for this story, Lord, that encourages us that we can have a heart to pray and we can stand in the gap in prayer, Lord, to change our legislation. And I pray, Lord, that these efforts that we are doing in prayer and fasting would be recognized by you, Lord, as obedience and faith, and that you would show us through our obedience and faith more of your mighty power, Lord, more of your grace that goes on giving and giving and giving again. And we ask it in Jesus' name that you bless it now. Amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I hope this blessed you. It did me. And next week we'll have another amazing woman to talk about. I won't give it to you just yet because I'm not 
100% which one I'm going with. I've got five of them all uh, scheduled, so we'll see which one takes, takes the, uh, the slot for next Sunday. God bless you.